Welcome. Welcome to the bookcase. This is our inaugural edition. I had in mind, you know, when they launch ships, somebody breaks a bottle of champagne across the bow and the ship slowly sinks into the sea. Uh, I don't know how you break a (laughs) bottle of champagne across a microphone, um, and I hope we don't sink into anything. But but this is a two-generation, two-gender, father-and-daughter podcast, and I am the older generation, the father, the male, Charlie Gibson. And I will be your cruise director on the SS Bookcase. I will be the daughter, the younger, the female, Kate Gibson. And I am delighted to say that on this first edition... Uh, Our guest is Oprah Winfrey. When Kate and I were discussing uh, whom we would like to be with us on show number one, uh, it was Kate who, she didn't hesitate. She said, Oprah. And why? Because I don't think anybody has done more to prompt Americans to read in the last 30 years than Oprah Winfrey. And in preparation for talking with her, I, I watched the 1996 intro to the book club, and she seems almost, there's an earnestness there. It's like, please read this book. Please come back and talk to us. Please join us for our conversation with the author. And what we want to do is start a book club here on The Oprah Show, because I know a lot of you are in reading clubs out there, and you have a book of the month and so forth, and I want to get the whole country reading again. Those of you who haven't been reading, I think books are important. And it's just interesting to see that we all talk about what Oprah chooses every month. What she chooses has real effects on the publishing industry. She is a tremendous trendsetter when it comes to books, and she's prompted people not just to read more, but I think to talk more about books, which to me is almost just as important. And she has spawned many other book clubs, including, I am delighted to say, one on my old home of of Good Morning America. And the thought behind all the book clubs and and the thought behind this podcast uh, is basically what Oprah was talking about 26 years ago, which is that we want our listeners to read. Yes, I I take recommending a book very seriously. If if you know me in my life and I, pr- I press a book into your hands, it's not just because I love the book, it's because I think you will. Um, and I just, I take a tremendous amount of pleasure in that and talking about and starting a conversation with, oh my God, I'm so glad you gave me that book. It, I learned so much about X or Y. Um, when somebody else walks away with that same sort of enthusiasm, it's, it's, it's addicting, and I take that addiction pretty seriously. There's nothing more complimentary when you want somebody to share a book with you, and they read the book that you recommend, and they come back and say, oh, I'm so glad you recommended that. Uh, that is such a compliment, and that's really what we want to do with this podcast. We want to suggest books, authors, Uh, various kinds of reading to you. And we hope from each podcast, you will come away thinking, well, that's interesting. Maybe I'll, I'll take a look at that. And that is really what we are about. So we'll talk a little bit more about all that a little later. But first, Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey, it is such a pleasure to have you in the bookcase. And as our first guest, which is a a wonderful way to inaugurate all of this. But let me start by asking you for some advice. We're just a little itty-bitty podcast, and uh, although we will have some consistent exposure on Good Morning America. But we got into this because, well, because we wanted to encourage people to read. People don't yeah. read enough, frankly. So how do, how do we do that? 
you did a oh. magnificent job of it. How do we do it? How do we go about it? Well, you do it with your own enthusiasm. Your love for books and Kate's love for books will naturally inspire your podcast listeners to want to read and want to connect to whatever you're offering. When we started the book club back in 1996, I think it was, it was mm -hmm. purely by accident. So there was one of my producers named Alice McGee, who started out as an intern, was literally there the day I auditioned for AM Chicago. And uh, she was the person that ran to, to the Walgreens to get me pantyhose when my pantyhose like, <laughs> had run them or something. Anyway, so she had really just fresh out of college and um, started out as my intern, started out opening mail for me. I was paying her a dollar a letter. And then I got too much mail and I said, Alice, I can't afford a dollar a letter anymore. <laughs> anyway, Alice grew to be one of our great producers. So Alice had said to me, um, because we love sharing books so much, she said, why don't we, why don't, why, why don't we do this on TV? And I said, Alice, we, we can't have a book club on TV. Uh, this was 10 years after the Oprah show. We can't do book. I go, this is just between you and me. We can't, because you can't have people talking about, no, you can't talk about novels that people haven't read. And Alice said, well, what if we could get them to read them? And I said, well, how are we going to do that, Alice? And she said, we're just going to tell them to read them. You would, you would choose the book that you love and then ask people to read that book and then give them time to read that book. And after they've read that book, then we'll all come together and talk about it. So that's how it started. We put it at the back of one of our shows. It was just going to be a little five-minute piece because, you know, you can't get ratings on trying to get people to read books. <laughs> and you never die by the ratings. And so we did that for the very first book club, Deep End of the Ocean. Such huge response. Could not believe it. I only chose the books that mattered to me, that meant something to me, and then started to read books that I felt would resonate with other people you know and so for me it was about exciting people around the idea of reading and i remember doing a show early on where a woman stood up in the audience 42 years old saying she hadn't read a book since high school and that notion of getting people who hadn't read a book since high school really struck me. And so then our next book club, we were out to get people who hadn't read a book since high school. A lot has happened since 1996. So I want to ask you, how has social media changed the way that we read? I think it, it has allowed so many more people to have opinions about what we should or should not be reading. Um, I never feel that there's competition because the goal was never to be... Uh, leader of the pack or to beat anybody at anything. The goal was just to expand the aperture for reading for people who loved reading and for people who perhaps had not been reading. Everybody has book clubs and someone <laughs> asked me recently, hi, how do you feel about it? I, I think it's great because in 1996, you couldn't get anybody to talk about books and certainly couldn't get anybody to talk about books on television. <laughs> and the thing that I care about the most is that you get more people enjoying the expansiveness, the openness, the inspiration, the depth of 
looking inside yourself and finding yourself in another character that can only happen when you read a book. And that's the critical thing. Books expand the imagination. Yes. They cause reflection yes. and, and they th make you think outside yourself. And what's so frustrating to me and what I take away from your saying is, is enthusiasm, our enthusiasm, is yes. going to go a long way to making this work. And, and we couldn't be more enthusiastic. But, but Katie raises an interesting question, which is social media has now so addicted people. Yes, um, yes. The, the statistics are frightening. I, I read a book recently that there was a study that the average user of digital media checks their digital media 150 times a day. Oh my gosh. That's once every six minutes. And a professor at, at my college took that to some of his students uh, when I prompted him and he, and the kids said, no, actually that's an underestimation. So we're fighting for attention with books mm -hmm. and, and, and it seems to me weaning people from screens and getting them in their nose into a book is going to be critical. Well, Charlie, here's the thing. I'm also fighting my own screen time. It's ridiculous how many times I pick up the phone a day. But what I notice is when I have a good book to read, that is cut in half. And so um, I just had a great book to come in. And I know that, oh, gee, my screen time is going to be down this week because I'm not scrolling, 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 looking for something to read. Usually, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm looking at the news or scrolling through CNN or looking at Apple News. But when I have a good book, I'm, I'm absorbed in that good book and it literally cuts down the screen time. So you are absolutely right about enthusiasm. And so yours and Kate's conviction about the kind of books you want to read, the kind of books you want people to be inspired by, that is what gets people, you know, motivated is your enthusiasm and your conviction about why I should read this book. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. The first ever criminal trial of a former president is underway in Manhattan. It's one of potentially four trials facing former President Trump as he makes his third bid for the White House. What do voters think about his culpability and would a guilty verdict make a difference in the election? I'm Galen Druk, and every Monday and Thursday on the 538 Politics podcast, we break down the latest news from the campaign trail. We sort through the noise and zoom in on what really matters using data and research as we go. That's 538 Politics every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. How would you say over the last 26 years, your taste in books has evolved or changed? Well, I normally, uh, certainly during the years of the show, chose predominantly uh, fiction books because this was all about entertaining and pleasure and taking people to places they hadn't been in their own minds, uh, the expansiveness that we were speaking of earlier. And I would say 
as uh, I've matured, reading biographies, uh, reading memoirs, reading uh, a lot more nonfiction uh, has been a pa- part of my own personal involvement. But I still think that there's nothing like I was just saying to the editor of O'Daly, there's nothing, nothing, nothing like getting yourself absorbed into something that consumes your imagination and your thought process. There's nothing better than more delicious than spoon feeding yourself every word of a wonderful novel. Did you ever have a, a thought that that there would be an Oprah effect and that somebody estimated in the first book club you, you sold or were responsible for maybe 55 million, 55 million books being sold? Of course, you certainly can't imagine or start something. I, I, I've never done anything with the purpose of selling or making money or the only person I wanted to make money for were, were the authors. And I remember once a good friend of mine, Quincy Jones, said to me, uh, we've been doing this probably six or seven years. And Quincy said, hey, babe, how much you getting off of that book club? <laughs> <laughs> club thing seems to be doing all right. How much, how much money are you making off of that? And I said, well, Quincy, I, I don't make any money from the book club. He goes, why not? And I, <laughs> I said, because I, I feel like you, if, if, if I'm recommending books that people are paying me to recommend, then that takes away from the power of the recommendation. And uh, he was like, that don't make no sense to me that you're down to all these books. And you're not making any money off of it. But I always felt really strongly about um, the, the selections being pure and also in the beginning, you know, not even wanting to make, make do a movie if I had selected the book because I didn't want people to think I'd selected the book now so that I could actually do the movie. And so, no, it was just it, it was as pure and as naive as I described with Alice saying, well, we could just announce it and then get people to read it. You know, I think that people are always looking for themselves in stories. I know that that was the case for me growing up. Uh, as a little girl uh, in Mississippi where I had no books other than the, the, the books of the Bible. And I grew up reading Bible stories. And I remember the very first time, um, well, first of all, I remember always looking for stories. You, you couldn't find stories with, 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 with um, protagonists who were black, but you could find stories with dark-haired girls. So I always <laughs> love stories with dark-haired girls. <laughs> I love dark-haired girls. It was as close as I could get. Dark-haired girls. And I remember the very first time I read um, Maya's uh, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. I was just knocked off my feet. I could not believe Makes brings tears to my eyes now to think about. It. I could not believe that was there was a story uh, that had somebody like me in it. Not only somebody like me, somebody who was raised by a grandmother, someone who was black, who was raised in the South, who grew up in the church, who started out on the first pray, page with "What you looking at me for?" Didn't come to stay, only came to say "Happy Easter Day." Well, I grew up doing Easter speeches. I could not believe that there is a book. <laughs> being written about somebody like me, that my story was worthy of being told. And so over the years, I've tried to choose stories 
where women in particular, our audience of women uh, on, on the show, the majority of viewers were women, could see themselves in the story. As, as it grew, Oprah, and as it became this phenomenon in publishing the Oprah Book Club, did you in any way have to alter the books you chose? Could you still pick a book and say, this is one I would give to my neighbor and tell her, please read this? Or did you feel that you had to in some way have some social responsibility in the in the books you picked? No, I didn't. I was I chose to the end books that I really loved or books that I was intrigued by. I mean, I had never read Anna Karenina. And so I thought, I've never read it. I want to read it. And if I can get a million other people to read it with me, maybe that will make it more interesting. And so, you know, at the time, everyone, you are not going to get American women to read a Russian novel. But we did it. And I remember at the time the publisher said, it's really challenging to get Americans to read stories with foreign names and foreign places. They just don't want to do it. It's, 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 it's like it doesn't fall off the tongue in such a way that they want to continue uh, reading it. And so I did take that into consideration. Right. But then later chose Anna Karenina. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend once say to me that uh, English writers say they will die for dignity. American uh, writers will die for liberty. French writers will die for love. Uh, Russian writers just uh, will die. <laughs> it will just die, right? Yes, yeah, a lot of comedies. Uh, and, and, and this. Do you? I mean, when you when you're picking books, do you still you you still do you think I need to have a certain ratio of well established authors versus debut authors? It's it's really just still. I really like this, and I want to share it with you. So I still am looking for the kind of novels that I think speak to where we are now, where people are in their lives. And, you know, just sometimes people just want to have an opportunity to have a vacation through their reading experience and don't want to be reminded of what's going on around them. And usually this is what I find is that wherever I am, you can find a, another million people who are also there. You know, it's interesting. The pandemic was probably a great for that. I know yes. it was great for me because other than take care of my two children who that I did a lot. I had, I, I, you know, I thought to myself, this is the time to cross books off my bucket list. This is the time to read Bleak House. This is the time to read Infinite Jest for better or worse. I'm just going to click them off my list. <laughs> did you do it? I did. You did. I did. I did. And some of them I'm like, okay. And in the case that. of Infinite Jest, I think yeah. you probably regretted it. As, I, I, I said, our okay, conversations. I did that. And, and now I can say I did that. And that was great. You did that. You and did bless that. your heart, Oprah, you're not in competition with anybody. But, but it's not a competition. It is. No, it's not. No. Exactly. No, it's not exactly. a competition. You want, we just want to open, open the door for people to be able to explore reading in a way that they feel that they've created their own community. I mean, I think that's wonderful. That's a wonderful thing about what we do uh, with our book club is that you have all of these like-minded people coming together. And sometimes it's something that they would have been interested in, but because they trust the process, will lean into it. That's what's going to happen with you all. Uh, with, with, with Kate and Charlie, you, you guys are going to recommend books that maybe people know ordinarily, well, I would never have chosen that, but because it's you suggesting it, I'm going to lean into it. Oprah, under the, under the 
heading of no good deed goes unpunished. Uh, <laughs> and the good deed here being your ability to get people to read. When it became um, such a phenomenon, your book club caused some backlash from people. D- does it does it make you sort of sad that people can't just accept the fact you're trying to do them a good deed? Mm. Are, are you talking about American Dirt? Is that what you're talking about? I was trying to tell you tell you about a book that I liked. And even yeah. when there's controversy around it, um, particularly with Janine Cummings and American Dirt a couple of years ago, I had chosen that book and stood by that book because the truth of the matter is I really loved the book. Yeah. And that was the only reason I was choosing the book is because I really loved the book. And even though lots of people were asking me now to um, disown that, but I'd already owned it. So I wasn't going (laughs) to go back on my word and now say, well, because you think she shouldn't have written the book, I no longer like the book. I really appreciated that book and it helped me to see um, immigrants and migration and the whole migration process differently than I had before. So it opened up a space in me, allowed me to see things differently. And I appreciated that from the author. And I thought the story was 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 well told. How, how do you, I have a list on my phone uh, where I keep track of what I've read. How do you keep track of, of what you've read? And and how do you, and have you had that point where you've picked something up and gotten 20 pages into it and go, oh, I have. I've read this before. <laughs> I have, I have. And so how do you do it? I'd like to, Should I have I a list. I literally have a list. The um, reason that I do it is because the last three years have been so incredibly tumultuous. And I kind of want to remember the moments of the last three years. I kind of want to say, oh, I remember I was going through something then and I picked this book up because. So in some ways I look at what I read as a bit of a biography. Um, Mm. uh, You know, there was a period during the pandemic where I would only read bad mysteries. I mean, people would say, oh, you got to read this. It's a beautiful reflection on the, I'm like, I don't want to reflect. I don't want any beauty. I just want fun. I need fun. Nothing but fun. Fun, 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 fun. Um, you so, know what? You've now inspired me. I've never done that. And I ha- I've i never kept a record of what I was reading. I only know because I do have all the Oprah books on the bookshelf. And I do have a first edition collection of all the Pulitzer Prizes since the beginning of Pulitzer Prizes. Oh. Uh, that 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 is the thing that if the house is burning down, which a couple of times <laughs> in Santa Barbara, we thought the house was going to burn down. I, I have the movers there moving out the books. Let's get, the, <laughs> let's get the books, then get the art, and then we're okay. Get the books, get that first addiction collection of the Polishers. So I've never, you know, other than that, kept a record of what I've been reading. And now you've inspired me to do that because you're right. It's almost like... I find books to be my therapy. I find books to be my soothing comfort space. I find books to be the thing that lifts me up and opens me up. And so, I mean, I, I, I've, I've never had therapy, but other than on the show. So you all saw me. <laughs> all, my, <laughs> all my stuff is out there in public. Uh, and I learned so much from all the therapists on the show, but Books have been books have been therapy for me. They've been my balm. They've been my soother. And so um, 
to have had a record of, oh, I was reading this because or this when. I'm going to start that now. It's not too late. We're asking all of our guests a series of, of uh, rapid fire questions, uh, which just demand short answers. And uh, Katie, why don't you start? Okay. Book, e-reader, or audio? Book, for sure. What's your favorite time to read? Hmm. In the evenings, after and during the sun is setting, I just started a book. I positioned myself on the porch with the sun going down um, yesterday with a, with, a, with a new book. And as the sun set, I moved in. I must tell you, I, I, oh. I do it right. Moved in, crackling fire. Doors open, sound of the rain, crackling fire, dog curled at my feet. Oh, come on. And, oh, no come kidding. on. You're putting on. me on. I do, me I, do on. Right. I do it right. I do it right. I do it right. Do you take notes? Do you highlight or do you dog ear the pages? I, I dog ear the pages. I still have problems underlining or I, I, I feel like I'm messing up the book. I feel like I'm messing up what the author wanted me to experience if I put notes in that book. I will open up to the, you know, front opening page. And sometimes if I'm reading for work, um, I will just number the pages rather than underlining uh, in the book. I will number the pages that I want to come back to. But I don't like messing up the book. Most influential book in your life? Mm. Bluest Eye. Really? Maybe no, maybe not the blue sky. Most influential book would be I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. Hmm. Favorite children's book? Hmm. Favorite ch- Love You Forever. Is there a book on your bucket list that you think, gee, I've got to get to and I haven't gotten there yet? Oh, I have a whole wall of them. I have a whole wall of them. And so I, you know what I never read? Um, F. Scott Fitzgerald. And I plan to read some F. Scott, Scott Fitzgerald this summer. Oh, great. My guiltiest reading pleasure is? Oh, staying in my pajamas all day long and just <laughs> uh, languishing inside a, 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 a good novel. With crackling fires and dogs and open doors, why would you ever get out of your pajamas? I know. What can I say? And and a question that we stole from Stephen Colbert, but I think it's really a really an important one. In five words, can you describe what you'd like the rest of your life to be? Mm. Well, I'm counting them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, peace, contentment, no judgment, joy. Ah. Uh. Oh, I love that. That's very nice. Very nice. Oprah, it has been a pleasure to have you here. My joy. My joy to be your first. Come on. Oprah Winfrey. And she makes it sound so inviting. And she says, I do it right. I I curl up with a book on a couch with a dog at my feet, a crackling fire. The the door is open so I can feel the outside. It, it, It just makes you want to curl up with a book. Yeah, and, and it makes you want to 
be Oprah, which is the other takeaway I, I get from this this interview. I mean, my gosh, when she paints the picture and I think to myself, oh my gosh, there was probably some sort of cashmere throw involved. It just sounds so cozy. Um, <laughs> it just sounds like absolutely the way I want to read all the time. Yep. Uh, one, one thing I should mention, normally uh, at the end of each podcast in the weeks and months ahead, we will feature an independent bookseller from somewhere around the country. We have affiliated with 25 independent bookstores uh, from Maine to Florida to Texas to California up to Washington, even one in the state of Montana, and plenty in the country in between. And we will talk to them for, I don't know, five, six minutes at the end of each podcast and find out what their customers are reading, uh, what their staffs have recommended, and then also what I'm very interested in is regional writers, writers that you may not know about uh, from different parts of the country, but that they feel really speak uh, to their region of America. You know, no matter how big Amazon gets, they will never replace for me the experience of a bookstore. Um, there's just something about a place where you can get comfortable where you can read a book, where you trust the staff and the staff's recommendations. You can get lost in the staff recommendations section. Um, when I get into a place like that, I always think to myself, these are my people. I am home. And I hope that book lovers, book nerds everywhere, uh, when they listen to this podcast, will feel uh, that they also have found a home. And it always in my mind, when I think of the word browse, I think of a bookstore. There's nothing more enjoyable than going in and simply losing yourself among the stacks of a local bookstore, a library, whatever. Anyway, that's what we're about. We hope you'll be joining us in the weeks ahead. Well, now's the part of the podcast where we throw to credits and do stay tuned because some great people work on this podcast. And I think it would be only appropriate if... Oprah takes us off the air. The Bookcase is a production of ABC Audio, produced by David Canada in conjunction with Shurcan Productions. Brenda Salinas-Baker is our senior producer. Liz Alessi is our executive producer. And special thanks to Josh Cohen and Iru Ekpanobi, also Elizabeth Russo. And we want to thank especially Richard and Annabelle Scher, who convinced Oprah Winfrey that being on our podcast would be a big boost to her career. And as always, we will let our principal interviewee take us off the air. I would just like to say, here's to books. <laughs> <laughs>